Today's passage is in Colossians um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'll give you a minute to turn to it. And this is the word. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Yes, I am not Pastor Susan, right? Um, my name is Frank, right? I'm the youth pastor. Uh, and uh, today, uh, me and Pastor Seuss uh, switched places, right? And so I am your cons- consolation prize this morning, <laughs> right? Um, let me just begin with a word of prayer. Right. Father in heaven, uh, again, Lord, we lift up John Hart to you. By your spirit, uh, will you strengthen him and comfort him? Lord, uh, pray for his family, Lord. Will you comfort them as well uh, in these trying times? And Lord, we ask. Uh, we pray that, Lord, by, mir- by your miraculous hand, will you heal his father so that... Um, he may hear and, and, and know you and, and come to taste of your gospel and the hope that we have through it. Lord, will you please do that? Lord, we ask of you as, uh, as little children go and ask their daddies for stuff. We ask for the same thing, Lord. And I pray this morning um, as we uh, go into your word, O oh Lord, I pray, um, show us um, where our focus should be. Show us that we are not too old, not too mature um, uh, to, to, to go back to the gospel, to the elementary things, Lord. No. I really pray for that, Lord. In your son's name. Amen. All right. Have you noticed that um, much of our society is about self-improvement, right? Think about it, right? We're, we're always trying to improve our lot in life in some form or another, right? We go get our undergraduate degree, right, you know, in, in hopes of a better job. But sometimes, actually now, these days, your undergraduate degree really doesn't matter, and so, you know, we've got to go one step up, right? It's time to get our master's degree, right? Time to get our Ph.D. degree, right? And even now, it's like postdoctorate, right? And all, all of those things, you know, we use them 
to improve, you know, whether it's our job uh, prospects or, you know, to, to, get a, to get better status or whatnot, right? We were always looking to improve, right, ourselves. And, you know, we do this with our kids, too. Like, I'm in, uh, you know, I, I'm in the youth group, and, you know, I have a, you know, I ba- pastor a bunch of our, our kids, and, you know, our parents, you know, are putting them in a bunch of different tutoring classes, right, so that they can become a better academic version of themselves, right? And I know back in the day uh, when I was growing up, I never went, but, you know, if, if you failed in math or if you weren't doing well in math or you want to do better in math, you went to something like Kumon. I don't know if people still go to Kumon. I think people still do, right? Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, so, you know, you go to Kumon, right, to improve your math scores, right? These days it's, it's SAT classes, right? All the kids go to SAT classes right after, like, their sophomore year. Summer after sophomore year, it's like SAT classes. And, you know, there's always that guarantee. When you ever take any SAT classes, there's always a guarantee. We will guarantee that you'll get at least a 300-point improvement, right? Something like that. We're always trying to, to uh, improve our lot in life. You know, we do this with our, our bodies, right? You know, we're always into the latest dieting craze, right? South Beach, Atkins. Um, I know a friend who's on this, like, crazy, like, all he eats is, like, bacon fat, and, and like bacon, like other fatty foods, and like not and protein, and like yeah, that's it, right? And I was like, does that really work? That you're supposed to lose weight? Like yeah, yeah, that that's what I'm supposed to do, right? We're always doing this, right? Or we we use the latest uh, exercise regime. You know, insanity was like the the big one like a couple of years ago, right? People watch Biggest Loser, and then there's like Jillian Michaels, and so she's hawking some type of like workout DVD. We're always looking to improve our lives. Right, self improvement. That's a big thing in our society. And you know, I I'll be honest. Like I'm the same way too. Right. And you guys ever go on a website called Lifehacker, Lifehacker.com. Right. Let me get a show of hands. Okay. Some of you guys. Right. Yeah. Some of you guys like. Eh. Right. What is it? Lifehacker.com is essentially. Uh, it's not. It's not necessarily a tech site. It's a site dedicated in giving you tips, tricks, right, and advice in accomplishing things. Right. And so I mean, it has like rent like. Not all the posts are the same, right? It's really random. Like, there are some posts, I, I looked it up last night, right, just perusing through. There are some posts on how to parallel park perfectly, right? Scientifically, they have a scientific method in, in how to parallel park perfectly, right? You know, um, improve your driving skills, essentially, right? Uh, there are tips to, to maximize your iPhone usage, right? So it's like, all these, like, all these different apps or all these little tweaks you can do on your iPhone to help you become a better you, right? Whether it's work productivity, life productivity, something, right? Um, there's also a post on how to win an argument, right? Or there's even one, I, I, I was looking, looking at it, there's even, a, one, even one, a post on how to get over your guilt, right? If you have a guilty conscience, how to get over your guilt, Right? And it's essentially a hodgepodge of stuff all catered towards helping you to become the best you. Right? And in one sense, the Christian life talks about this too. Not so much the self-improvement part. I don't think the Bible is really concerned about how great of a parallel parker you are right? or how well you use your iPhone. Right? But I would say that it's, I would say it's safe to say that in the Bible, right, it does talk about a new you. Right? It does talk about a new you, right? And that new you is definitely a qualitatively better you, right? 
And what do I mean by that? If you look at verse 9 and 10 of um, our passage this morning, right? It says, uh, oh, wrong part. Okay, here we go. Do not lie to one another, right? And seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, Paul, right, even outlines that when you are a Christian, yes, we do, we do push that there is a new you. That there is a better you, right? And you know, he, it's not just in Colossians he mentions. He mentions this in Ephesians four. He also talks about the new life we have in Christ in Romans, right? The uh, Old Testament in Ezekiel talks about a new heart. God was going to place a new heart in us, right? And and so there is a big theme in the Bible, right? That the new you, a better you, right? Um, is a part of our life, right? And what does it look like, right? What does it look like? I, I think uh, we have to, like, unpack that a little bit because it's easy. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you know, maybe you've heard this term Christianese, right? People use Christianese and they'll throw out words. So it's like, you know, yes, put off the old self, put on the new self, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then no one really explains it and you're just kind of left with this vague notion, like, yeah, right? And so, you know, we don't want to do that. And so we've got to unpack that. What does that new you look like? What does that new self look like? The way that Paul puts it is, you think upon heavenly things, or things that are above, rather than things uh, of the earth, right? And when we say things that are above, a lot of people tend to think heavenly things, right? When we think heavenly things, you know, when I was a kid, I used to think of, oh, does that mean, like, I'm supposed to just think about heaven, and so I must be in this white gown, right, with these angel wings, a halo, and a lyre in the clouds, and I'm just supposed to be, like, peaceful and, and serene the whole time, right? Uh, that's what I used to think, but if, if we were to really just put it in a nutshell, what does it mean to think about things that are above? We're talking about all that God desires, right? All that God is about, all that Jesus is about, right? We're, it's being concerned with God's plan, God's kingdom. And what does that look like? You know, that's everything from being loving, forgiving, having joy, having humility, right? Giving, being generous, right? Being concerned about the people around you, your community folks, right? Your city, Right? Being concerned about justice, truth, honesty. Right? Those are all the things I would say you put up on thinking about the stuff above. Right? And so it's very tangible. We're not talking about like pie in the sky, uh, intangible. We're talking about something very tangible here. Right? And then he says, and we're not supposed to think on earthly things. Right, and he actually gives us a list of stuff on what those earthly things are, right? And if I were to just uh, put in our jargon now, like it would be coveting, right? Essentially placing anything and everything above and in place of God, right? Lust, any form of sexual corruption, right? Anger, okay? Uh, it says slander. It's just slander, gossiping, right? Having a potty mouth, being spiteful. And when you look at the thrust of the Bible, it's littered, right? It's just littered throughout the Bible, right? The, the heavenly things and the earthly things and what those are, right? And, you know, even Jesus talks about these eth- ethics and behaviors and however 
you know, you want to call them. And it is a very important part of the Christian life. Right? Paul mentions these things, not just to mention these things, but because it is in, you can say that it is integral to the Christian life. Right? And if we are honest with ourselves, you think about it, right? Deep down inside, somewhere in there, I think we would all love to be the new self, right? That Paul outlines, right? No one, right? I don't think no one in their right mind would want to end up, you know, growing old and being a bitter old hack, right? You would hope that, you know, as you age and as you grow, right, that you will grow in graciousness, in love, in kindness, in forgiveness, right? And, you know, many of you guys have children, and, you know, you don't want your kids to be mean little punks, right? You know, you, you want your kids, and you teach your kids, and you admonish your kids to, to, to be honest, to, to be righteous, right? To love and to forgive, right? And, you know, because it's good. These are great things. And it's the same for us. You know, we want these things too, right? And I'm going to use uh, Paul's uh, metaphor here, right? And, and, and what it's supposed to do then, right, then we as Christians are supposed to, as Paul puts it, take off the old self, you know, that sinful self, that messed up you. And the way I always picture it is, it's like wearing a tattered old jacket with a bunch of holes, Right? And it doesn't keep you warm. Right? And so Paul's saying, well, that's the old life. And so you're supposed to take it off and you're supposed to put on the new life. Right? The new self. Right? It's a sleek new jacket, very warm, right? And it's and it's full of all his promises, promises, right, of a more gracious you. But oftentimes you know, when I look at a passage like this, I find that there's a dissonance. Right? Something doesn't measure up. Right? Not always, but often, there is a dissonance. I find myself struggling to take off the old self, to take off that old jacket. Right? And I find myself, you know, when, when, when Paul tells us, you know, don't think about earthly things, think about things that are above. I find myself thinking about those earthly things. Like on a personal level, okay, in terms of the behaviors and virtues that, you know, Paul outlines here. You know, um, later on in the verse, in verse 12, he says, uh, he talks about like, you know, having kindness, put on kindness, beloved, please put on, you know, put on kindness, um, love, compassionate heart, right? And I would say that on a personal level, I don't struggle with kindness, all right? And I'm not trying to brag or anything. Um, it's just growing up, right, my disposition and my personality and who I am, right, I've been kind of wired that way by God's grace, I would say. By God's grace, I'm wired that way. Uh, I just tend to be more kind than some other folks. Fine. Right? And so it's not a struggle that I have. So that's not the new self that I'm putting on. Right? I find myself, if I'm being brutally honest here, and being frank about it, right? Uh, the things I struggle with and where I find the dissonance is in, for me personally, the sexual impurity and sexual immorality, right? Um, you know, many of you guys who know me already know that I struggle with this, 
right? And I often feel like the lust in my heart goes into over. It kicks into overdrive during some days and sometimes even weeks. It just kicks, kicks into overdrive. And if I'm really, really honest with myself, sometimes I don't care. Right? Like I'll have I'll have this passage like, oh, you know, don't fall into sexual immorality. Yes, I know that in my head, right? I've been taught that, right? Uh, it's been expounded upon in seminary. But somewhere in my heart, man, there's sometimes there's a point where I don't care. There's a dissonance. Where I'd rather just keep on the old jacket, right? Rather than take it off. And I know that a lot of guys struggle with sexual sin, and, and, and uh, a lot of people have told me that, but man, sometimes it's just really bad. Right? And we all know and experience this dissonance. Right? You know, some, of, some of us are called to, to, to give generously, right? whether it's in our tithe or whether it's in our time. Right? Uh, maybe it's to invest in, in God's kingdom. Right? And in his kingdom work, but then, you know, and, and, and for a while you do it, right? You know, whether you do it just because or out of duty or whatever, you, you do it, and then something happens in life, right? Money all of a sudden is hard to come by, or you get swamped with work, right? Work is stressful. And then all of a sudden, right, slowly but surely, you stop Focusing on investing in God's work, whether it be in the church or maybe in your family, right, or in your giving. This happens, right? Or I'll give you another one. Like, or, you know, God calls us to, to be forgiving as well, right? And he says, forgive one another for he has forgiven you. You know, later on in the passage, you, you read that, right? And sometimes, though, you have a falling out with the brother, you have a falling out with a sister in the church or at home or at the workplace or even within your family, right? And you know that, that that part of that new self is to be forgiving. But you just can't, right? Because the emotions are too raw, the bitterness is too raw, something, right? We have all felt that dissonance somewhere, right? Somewhere, Right? And what ends up happening a lot of times is that dissonance becomes magnified. Right? And a lot of times, the more it becomes magnified, the harder we try to just pull up our bootstraps, right? put our nose on the grind, and we just try to fix it. Right? We try to either fix it, modify our behavior, or you know, what I like to do is I just try to avoid it altogether. And I've noticed that many times as we live this Christian life, that, that taking off of the old self and putting on of the new self, uh, we kind of have a self-improve, self-improvement mentality going into it. Right? I will zero in on my problems and fix it myself. Right? This is the thing I need to work on, and I, just, I, need, I, need, to, I need to do something about it. Right? I'm going figure it, to figure it all out. And so in a passage like ours, this is what we tend to focus on. Nathan, can you put it up? Nathan. <laughs> can you put up the slide real quick? Do, 
All right, there you go. Um, that's actually the whole passage from, uh, from, from today's uh, uh, reading. Right? A lot of times, right, like I said, when that dissonance happens and it becomes more and more magnified, you know, what we end up focusing on in a passage like these are these words that are highlighted. Right? You see it, seek the things that are above. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Somewhere in there, we probably, some of us struggle in there, right? And so that becomes highlighted. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Uh, Maybe some of us, this is the thing that gets really highlighted. Do not lie to one another. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Now, I'm not saying that we don't actively pursue towards holiness, right? Um, we do, right? Um, because God doesn't, we're, God doesn't ask us to just be passive and then he's supposed to zap you and go, pew, you're holy now. Pew, pew, pew. And a lot of times we, we think that you become a Christian, all of a sudden, like, I'm guaranteed to just be this new, holy Christian person who's like, perfect, right? No. Right? Uh, it doesn't happen that way. Right? So we do actively pursue holiness and in faith God God changes. But but sometimes, right, when, when when it's so magnified, whatever problem that we that you're enduring, right? All like in a passage like this, this is the only thing that pops up. Right? And we just just zero in on it. Right? But we're missing something here. We're missing something terribly here. If we really desire spiritual change, and not just our behaviors or actions, right, but a deep-seated change, right, in who we are. And, if you, and the things that, got, you know, that Paul is asking here, right, and later on he says love, right? I mean, that, that's not just, you can't just, just change it by yourself. You know, that, that really is a change of the heart, right? You really want that, right? You know, it actually begins with what we believe and who we believe. Or in other words, you know, as Paul says in, at the end of F10, right? A renewal in the knowledge of the image of the creator. Because right. that's what changes us, Right? Because the things that Paul says changes in us, and that is what Paul says, that not that you will put on the, well, you will take off the old self and you will put on the new self. It's actually, when he says that, he says it's already happening, right? That the renewing knowledge is what does it. And it's not just talking about Bible facts. We're not talking about just mere, you know, Bible history. You just know your Bible really well. Right? Or it's not just renewing knowledge. It's not just, oh, gospel facts. Right? We're talking about a, a deeper understanding. Right? And that's what he's saying. When he says knowledge here, he's talking about a deeper understanding of the realities and the truth of the gospel in your life. You really want change. Right? You start there. Right? The something that Pastor Susang always talks about and he cribbed it from, from Tim Keller is 
the proverbial coin has to drop from here down to here. It has to be internalized and realized. Right? It's only then, right, when we continue to renew in that knowledge, right, so that basically what Paul is saying is that when that happens over and over and over and over again, then, you know, whatever, the character change, right, it'll express itself outward, whether it's in our behavior or character. Right, and so go to the next slide. And so the focus then shouldn't only be on, okay, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this. But these verses right here, or these, these highlighted areas. If then you have been raised with Christ, right? And so here's the reality that Paul talks about. That everyone who believes in Jesus, you've actually been raised. Raised up. Right? That is the reality that you live in. You may not feel like it, but it is the real reality. You've been raised with Christ. And then he says, for you have died, right? And your life is hidden with Christ in God. What is he saying? That the reality that we live in is that you are utterly, utterly safe. Hidden. Hidden from everything else in this world. When Christ, and I love this part, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. But he's saying, you know, like I said, I struggle with, with, with certain things to, to take off the old self and put on the new self. And sometimes I wonder, why do I have to do this? It just seems redundant. It just seems like there's never going to be any progress. But Paul's giving us a truth and a promise that Christ is guaranteed to us. That when Christ appears, and just like him, in all his magnificent glory, you will also appear with him in glory. In all beauty. Like that old self will never be there anymore. And all you will have is the new self. A gracious you. And then the last part, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And so God, right, and this is what I would say through the Holy Spirit, constantly, constantly, right, in one area of life and then to a different area of life, renew you, remind you of the grace that has been given to you, right? And so how does that happen? You know, let me just unpack that just a little bit, which is being renewed in knowledge. Sometimes that happens through hard life experiences, right? Like, I'll, you know, I, I did a sermon on um, Psalm 51, uh, when David, uh, this is David's repentance to, uh, Bath, uh, to God for uh, killing Uriah and taking Bathsheba as his, as his wife. It's about you committing adultery and, killing, and murdering, right? And, um, and he just, he wails out and he just talks about asking the Lord for forgiveness, right? And for his grace. And when I was a little kid, I would read that. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's a very, very wonderful psalm to read, right? And as a little kid, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. And I didn't really get it. Right? It wasn't until I went through something similar to what David went through. I didn't murder anyone. Okay. I, did not mur- I guarantee I did not murder anyone. All right. But, you know, in terms of sexual sin, I did fall into it. 
And it was, only, it was only until then when that knowledge of what I knew about the Bible really just, it sank in. Right? See, this is what it means to be renewed. Right? Sometimes it's, it's life experiences. Sometimes it's the imitation of other believers. You're around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? And, you know, maybe you're... you're, you're, you're you're wondering about this whole forgiveness thing. Because can you actually forgive? Man, I'm a, I'm a really angry person. I'm a, I'm a really bitter person. I, I don't know if I can do that. But then you'll see someone in the church, right, who has a graciousness about them, who forgives wrongs. And it just starts to make you wonder, like, huh, maybe there's something there. Maybe it really is real. Maybe I, I should pursue this. Right? Sometimes it's just an epiphany. You read the Bible and it's an epiphany or a discussion with someone. Right? Like uh, six months back, um, you know, me and Pastor Susan had to talk about the Holy Spirit. Right? And yes, I went to seminary, but I had, even up, till, up until about six, six months ago, I did not have a very good idea what the Holy Spirit does. I just I always knew it's like, oh, he, he's in me. It's like this vague notion. He's in me, and he gives me power, even though I don't see this power. All right? Um, and then, you know, we're just going through the Bible, and Pastor Susan was like, you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit just, it, it, he takes you to the gospel. He reminds you of the gospel. Right? You read that in John. He's the helper, right? The paraclete who helps. Right? It reminds you of of the things that, that Christ has done. And when I heard that, and when I really just wrestled with that, I realized, oh, so every time I hear a song, or every time, not that I hear a song, that I think of a praise song, or every time I, you know, when I'm down or when I'm struggling and, and a Bible verse pops up in my head, those are not just my ideas, but that's the Holy Spirit. Whoa. You know, I had like a whoa moment, right? See, that's the renewing of my mind right there, right? And, and so there's different ways that God renews our minds, right? But he's constantly doing it, right? And the one common thing in all that is we are to go back. If we want real change, we go back to the things that are above, or let me put it a different way, of the gospel. But let me be more intentional and spell it out. Right? Like most of us have been church in a, here for a while. You've heard Pastor Susan speak. You know our church. Talk about gospel-centeredness, gospel-centered family. Right? And so we know that um, you know, objectively, like Christ accomplishes right, um, our salvation by dying for our sins on the cross. Right? We all know that. And, but let me just say, it's, it's more than that, too. Right? Did you know that, that through the cross and through what Christ is and what the gospel says is that he, his love for you is ridiculously deep and wide? Right? This is what Romans, Romans 8 says. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But if you could just indulge me for one moment. Let me personalize this. Because a lot of times we just read it, right? And just read it. But let me, let me personalize it. 
I'm, I'm going to call some of you guys out. All right, so I'm not, I don't want to put you on, I'm not trying to just put you on blast, but so I want to just, hopefully you can feel the full impact of this when I personalize it for you. Ron. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you, Ron, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what that means? Nothing. I mean, you know, there are times where you feel like God, you, God will doubt, or you will doubt God's love, and you feel like He's going to pull the rug from right under you. But the reality is, Ron, it'll never happen. It will never happen. His love is that deep and that secure for you. Give you another verse. This is from 1 Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hyun, you know that you're a priest? I know that you own, you know, and run, run a, a catalytic converter uh, warehouse. But do you know that God has something even better for you? That he actually wants to put you in his redemptive plan? That he has a mighty purpose? That he calls you a priest? A priest. He's given you that role. Because he believes in you. Feel the weight of this? Right. Or here's one. Right. Sarah, you are a child of God. I mean, that, one, that one's just like all throughout the New Testament, right? But let me, let me unpack that. Do you know that, Sarah, you will have, okay? And this is what Jesus says, that there is a room with, or there is a house with many rooms and he has a room just for you. You know, I'm, I'm calling out these names because it should be personal. These truth and realities are for you. You know, I, I, I use these verses because these are particularly helpful for me. And it sounds kind of crude and elementary to put it this way, right? But this is why Paul tells us to go back to the gospel. Because we constantly need it and need reminding of it. I'll just end with this story. I have a friend, uh, we'll call him Ryan. And uh, he had this girlfriend, and um, he ended up, he never actually cheated on her, but I mean, he'd been dating her for a long time, and uh, he ended up flirting with other girls, and she found out, she, she, she saw his phone and saw his Facebook and saw that he was like, pretty much with his heart cheating on her. And um, man, she ended up just ending the relationship, just broke up with her. And um, it made him realize, and it, and it made me realize just how much you know, he, for, he forsook her and how much he actually loved her. Because after that, he started just partying and drinking and smoking a lot of bud, a lot of weed right, all the time. And we and, you know, I have a friend Another friend who likes to party a lot, but even that friend was like getting very concerned. He was like, dude, this is just like ridiculous. I'm like concerned about this guy. For a while, he was just doing that, and 
And uh, fortunately, his uh, roommate was very persistent. He said, come out to church, man. Come out to church. And he just said, come out to church. And um, he asked him. He said, all right, the only Christmas present. This is around Christmas. He said, only Christmas present that I want from you. I don't want anything else. Don't give me no gifts, no nothing. All I want you to do is come to church with me. My friend Ryan relented, went. And over the course of, like, I don't know, maybe two, three, four weeks, um, you got a taste of God. You got a taste of the gospel, of the forgiveness that's being offered to him. And this is a guy we would take to church back in the day, and he'd have headphones on and just did not care, right? Um, but something changed, and it took me by surprise. And, you know, one day, you know, because I call him and just check up on him, see how he's doing. You know, one day I call him and, and, You know, he's telling me, you know, that he was having a rough day, right? Um, he was feeling depressed about himself and what he had done and, you know, to his girlfriend. And then, you know, the news, apparently he was watching the news and it was very depressing. Sometimes the news can be very, very depressing. And so it just, like, put him in, like, a mini tailspin a little bit. And he said, like, I just, you know, at that point, he's like, I just want to smoke weed right there just to, like, take away the pain, right? And, and I said, so what'd you do? He said, well, I went outside. And I just stood out there for a while, and then he said, a thought came to his mind. He said, God loves me. Very simple, okay? It's not, it's not, it's not complicated. It's just very simple. God loves me. Because of the forgiveness he had felt that he had, he had experienced at church, and then the reality of, of those words coming into his head, it settled on his heart, and he said, and because of that, I took my bud, I just threw it away. I'm like, I'm on the phone and I'm just like dumbfounded because I was like, what? Really? Shows you my faith in God, right? Oh, man. But that picture right there made me realize. Now, is, he, is there a possibility that he may fall off the wagon? Yeah, sure there is. Right? But that picture right there where the, where, where the gospel and the reality of the gospel took place in his heart led to even just a small form of repentance. And that's what it is. That's what's going on in us. This is why we go back to the gospel. And, and, and let me just read verse 16 um, of, of chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If there's one thing I'll just ask of you today to consider is let give God every opportunity. Come to church. Worship. Hear the gospel. Go to community groups. Go receive and be encouraged. When a Bible verse comes into your mind or a praise song comes into your mind, don't dismiss it. Those are all things that God is using, right? Hopefully, to change you slowly but surely. And know, just like that verse says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And remember the promise that, yes, 
though you may feel the dissonance of putting off the old self and putting on the new self, there will be a day. Our hope is that we will also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, um, just want to thank you um, for your words here in the Bible for, for Colossians 3. That it isn't just a bunch about, about rules and just doing this or that, but Lord, that it's about what you have done for us, what you continue to do for us, what you will do for us. And no matter how old we get and no matter how mature we say we are in you, Jesus, I pray that we go back to this. That the gospel is not just the ABCs of our faith, but Lord, it is the A to Z. Will you encourage our brothers and sisters, Lord, the reality that, Lord, you love them so deeply, that their life is worth it because you paid a heavy price Lord, on the cross. Lord, will you do this by your Holy Spirit? Renew us. Keep throwing those little nuggets of gospel grace in our, in our life, oh Lord. In your son's name, amen.